Um, whoa. Did some <laughs> Did your screen go black? I think the black? devil just came into me. <laughs> did did your screen just go black? Um, yeah. Did I go black? No, just me. <gasps> it's the devil. <laughs> the devil is fully inside you. Oh my god, this is like full on. Oh my god. No, don't say it. No, no, whatever you're going to say, I'm not going to like it. No, don't. No, 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 no. Don't say anything else. No. Mm -mm. Uh, Demon, come out of her and come into me. I can take it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Caroline, let's. What's so. Welcome back, everybody. This is Poor Unfortunate Podcast. I'm Caroline A. Meddy. And I'm Connor Perkins. So we just returned from our annual trip to Sleepy Hollow this we past sure weekend. Oh, my God. So we got so to see amazing. each other for the first time, like, in a solid amount of time. Like, really see, like, be together, which was yeah, crazy. And where we weren't, like, moving out of an apartment. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned that on here. We've just been going through it. <laughs> Yeah, so well, I think weekend. I think that they know. I think we I think we might have said that we moved out of the apartment. Did we? Okay, I don't okay. know. If we didn't, you know, we moved out of the apartment, people. and that was the last time. No, we're airing it all out here. Come on, <laughs> we have no secrets. We have no secrets. We have no shame. We mm. we fully moved out of our apartment. It was sad. We saw each other like one time, and it was like not mm-hmm. satisfying because it was just full of emotion. Yeah. But this past weekend, we finally saw each other like properly for the first time mm-hmm. since. March. Yeah, really. Which, oh gosh, that's tragic. Yeah. That was <sighs> but it was an amazing time. We went to Sleepy Hollow. It was a COVID safe time too. Yep. So just know that like if you do the research, there are things you can do to have fun. Yep. It was fully COVID safe. Me, Aaron, and Caroline, we went to Sleepy Hollow and we had bought our tickets for the Great Jack-o'-Lantern Blaze, which was an entirely masked and social distanced outdoor event in the evening the the folks at the blaze did such an amazing job mm-hmm. i truly felt safe it was limited capacity like it was mm-hmm. it was incredible it was incredible and then yep. we also went to lindhurst mansion oh. it was really a great time and it was just too short and i i got to see caroline's house for the first time like her house <laughs> house like my mommy Whoa. and daddy's house <laughs> yeah her mom and dad's house i slept on an air mattress like <laughs> what a weekend. And welcome to any new listeners. We're so glad that yeah. you are joining us. It's always nice to add more people to our our community that we have made. So we hope that you will stay and listen to some of the other episodes that we have and tune in for more. Yes. After our last episode, which was all about villains, which you if you missed it, you should definitely go back and listen. It was a great time. Um 
over in the Poor Unfortunate Fam on Facebook, which is, you know, a group for all of our our listeners. Anyone can join. We would love to have you there just to, for people to talk about anything Disney related, to talk about the episodes. I mentioned in the last episode that Judge Frollo should not be in the Boo to You Disney parade because, as discussed in the episode, he thinks he's a righteous man. He does not see himself as a villain. And one of our fantastic fam members, our good friend Courtney Guth, who is also host of the Book of the Mouse Club podcast, yes, found footage of a short period of time when Frollo was indeed in the Boo to You parade. And my brain exploded. Mm -hmm. And she said that he was there for like the hottest of minutes and then he was gone and has never been seen from again because it was probably just too, too damn freaky. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And also the fact that he's not a face character, um, that he has this big, like blown up head. Very, very strange. So new Disney news, things that are going on. Mm -hmm. Um, The most recent thing is that just yesterday, the state of California unveiled the rules for theme parks to be opened, mm-hmm. which people have a lot of opinions about, mostly because mm-hmm. it requires that the area that they be around be in a yellow zone before that they're able to reopen, which means that there is a certain percentage of positivity in the area, which based on the cases, it's not anywhere close to that. And it has to be that way for a month, right? Before... Yeah, and then they're able to open at 25% capacity. So there's a lot of frustration around the rules and things like that. And a lot of people are saying that Disneyland is not going to be opening before the end of the year as a result of those rules. Yeah, one account that I follow, um, I've mentioned it before, at Mornings with Mickey is run by Nikki, who she's um, an actress and a Disneyland mom. She was sharing the news and she was like, honestly, the way things are going, I feel like it's going to be March when we get to go back to Disneyland. It's very sad. It's it's sad. At the same time, I know there are a lot of people who are very frustrated about it and there's a lot of jobs that are involved in it. Mm-hmm. The other end of it is that cases continue to spread in California. Numbers continue to increase. And it's because people aren't following like the basic guidelines and mm-hmm. that the the biggest thing that we can do right now to get Disneyland open is to just follow the damn rules, wear masks mm-hmm. and keep our distance. Yep. I think that's probably the biggest piece of like Disney news that has happened mm-hmm. apart from the Raya and the last dragon teaser drop yes. today, Yes, which yes. I'm like, this looks baller. This is going to be awesome. Yes. All right, let's get into the episode. This is a showdown episode, which is where we take two similar things and we pit them against each other and we see which one comes out the winner and which one comes out as not the winner. Um, (laughs) So this this topic was actually suggested by, again, Courtney. Courtney, MVP. Truly a Disney MVP. She suggested that we take a look at two Halloween Disney Channel original movies. So since Mm -hmm. we're getting close to Halloween, when this episode is coming to you all, we figured let's embrace the spooky spirit even more than we already have been. Because I feel like (laughs) the past couple episodes, we've started like really getting into it because we're like, Halloween, we need something. We need something to like latch on to and make us feel joy. (laughs) Yeah. 
with this one, we kind of came up with a couple different options of which movies we would pit against one another. And ultimately, we turned it over to you all on Instagram and in the mm-hmm. Poor Unfortunate Fam to vote for which two movies we would have dual. We are going to be pitting the 1998 classic Halloween Town against 2005's Twitches, do, chosen do, by you do, all. Do, 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 do. so as we always say with the showdown if you haven't watched these two movies there are spoilers ahead and it will help you to have some sort of context of what the f we're talking about so both of these movies are available on disney plus and we highly recommend that you take this moment right now to go watch them pause the podcast and we will be here when you get back welcome back all right so we're going to start with halloween town Granted, you've just watched this, but I'm still going to give you some basic information and the plot synopsis. So Halloween Town premiered on October 17th, 1998. It was directed by Dwayne Dunham, and it was executive produced by Ron Mitchell, Sherry Singer, and Steve White. The story was done by Paul Birnbaum, and he was also one of the writers for the teleplay, along with John Cooksey and Allie Marie Matheson. In terms of budget, this is, I think, something really, really interesting that I found out. Originally, the budget for Halloween Town was going to be between 20 and $30 million. And then as the project had been started, that budget got cut down to $4 million. Hmm. And the movie stars Kimberly J. Brown as Marnie, Debbie Reynolds as Grandma Aggie, Judith Hogue as Gwen, Marnie's mom. Joey Zimmerman. As Dylan and Emily Roski as Sophie. Yeah. So this is my fun plot synopsis for the movie. Let's do it. Because you know how I love to do plot synopses of movies. We love. All right. So here we go. It's Halloween night. And in her typical 13-year-old point of view, Marnie is imprisoned by her evil mother who refuses to let her three children, Marnie, Dylan, and Sophie, celebrate Halloween. But when the eccentric and fabulously dressed Grandma Aggie, a.k.a. Demi Reynolds, comes to visit, Marnie learns that she is a descendant of the famous Cromwell witches. Adorned in the most unrealistic Wiccan costume you'll ever see and child's picture book in hand, she hitches the ride on an actual school bus to follow her grandmother (laughs) back home to another dimension where all the goblins, ghoulies, and pumpkin people with normal human arms live in peace from the mortals. Marnie, along with her two siblings, take it upon themselves to seek out their grandmother in this strange land that looks a lot like St. Helen's Oregon (laughs) to start her training as a witch and uncover an evil plot to turn all the friendly ghoulies into real-ass monsters that are out for vengeance against the mortals. Mm. There you go. All right. So Twitches was originally released on October 14th, 2005. And Twitches, of course, stars Tia and Tamara Mowry, stars of Disney Channel already. Um, there are other people who are in this movie. Um, I feel like they're the most important. But um, let's see. Oh, you might know Jennifer Robertson if you watch Schitt's Creek. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see who else. Patrick Fabian, Pat Kelly, you know, other people. But the stars are Tia and Tamara. Let's be clear. 
Twitches is based on a book series, and there were nine books in the series already written when this movie was released. And that was the series is by H.B. Gilmore and Randy Ricefeld. Twitches was directed by Stuart Gillard and written by Melissa Gould and Dan Berenson. Executive producers were Carla Singer, Joan Carson, and Kevin Lafferty, which that's fun because it's two women and a guy, which I'm like, love (laughs) love that. Love that dynamic. Love it. The budget of this movie was $20 million. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to withhold my judgment but I until later, but um, okay. What <laughs> happened to that $20 million? Anyway. It all went into the terrible CGI. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say before my little summary, if you, if you don't want to listen to the summary, if you want to know what Twitches is, just add together The Parent Trap, Harry Potter, Hamlet, and a teeny little sprinkle of Wicked, and you've got Twitches. Here's my synopsis. Cameron and Alex could not live more opposite lives on the day of their 21st birthday, but a chance or more like magically divined meeting leads them to discover that not only are they long lost sisters and twins, but they are witches. As they discover their powers... They also they have lots of magical powers, but Alex with the gift of knowing through writing and Cameron through art... They also discover that they are the lost princesses Artemis and Apollo of the magical realm Coventry. And it is up to them to save Coventry from the mysterious darkness that nearly killed them at birth and now threatens to destroy the realm. Ooh. All right. So we're going to look at these in terms of their strengths and weaknesses. And then we're going to figure out which one we think is, you know, our... Halloween decom winner. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with some of my strengths. So sure. Halloween Town was one of the very first Disney Channel original movies. It was actually the mm-hmm. fourth one that they had ever made. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was shopped as a darker show for NBC. And eventually, when NBC passed on it, it was kind of carried over into Disney, where they were like, hey, we want to do it, but we want to do it for kids and families. So... When they gutted their budget down to $4 million during the process, instead of leaving the project, they were determined to keep going and finished it and finished filming in 24 days. So that is one thing that I will attribute to a strength of this movie, Mm -hmm. given the kind of incredible hurdles of what this idea was to what it has actually become and all all of the hurdles that they had in between. I think they actually do a really, really good job of just like, we're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. We're going to figure it out. We're going to reuse extras. Mm-hmm. We're going to scale back in certain places and get a product that is watchable. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, Halloween Town is watchable. Mm-hmm. I think another huge strength of this movie is some of the acting. Yeah, that was one of my main ones. Debbie Reynolds and Judith Hogue mm-hmm. are fantastic. I live for the scenes when the two of them are together. There's so much nuance and actual listening between the two of them. And they really ground this movie that can easily get lost in kids. I will also just say right now, Sophie is the shit. She's iconic. This child is probably like the most helpful person in this entire (laughs) story. She can do magic she has a brain she has common sense she 
can think on her feet. When the bus pulls away and she's just there and she just like waves at them. She's like, hi. (laughs) Fantastic. She's She's like, like, I snuck away too and I didn't get caught by anyone and I didn't get caught by you guys who were sneaking away. She's like, I just got on the bus. So like, I'm boss. (laughs) I feel like that's the point where the like pixelated shades just descend on her eyes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the bass kicks in. (laughs) Exactly. She is a vibe for sure. She's, She's a vibe. I think the script is also not half bad for a made for TV movie. It definitely has dated moments, but uh, re-watching it, I was like, this isn't... I've watched this movie three times so far this Halloween. And wow. I know, once by choice, once again by choice, but to laugh at it, and then once for this. But the, the script is the script is not terrible, especially when you watch Twitches and then Halloween Town back to back. But I think another strength is that due to the budgeting constraints of the film, they rely a lot more on practical effects for magic and the, the special effects of the movie as opposed to like outright CGI. And I think it helps give the movie more of a timeless feel in the same mm-hmm. way that you think of you know, Wizard of Oz or something like that, Mm -hmm. where they're looking to make the magic that happens real. And so therefore, when the movie ages, you don't run into the problem that you end up having with Twitches, where the CGI becomes so incredibly dated. And when you Mm -hmm. rely on nothing but CGI, as time goes on, the movie suffers for it. Mm hmm. I think another great strength of the movie is that Halloween is very much part of the story and it's the backdrop. So many times in movies, they're like, oh, it's it's a Halloween movie because it happens on Halloween, which is fair. Like, that's a Halloween movie for sure. But this one is like, it happens on Halloween, but Halloween is directly a part of the story, um, mm-hmm. which I think helps create a more cohesive vibe for the movie and why it's considered a classic Halloween movie on Disney Channel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the plot is the plot is interesting. It's a very solid concept. It was solid enough to be considered by NBC for right. a much more adult movie and then eventually was versatile enough that it could be translated to kids and families. It's a coming of age story. There's comedic moments. There's adventure, fantasy moments. Um, And I think all of it comes together in a really good way in terms of the actual plot of it. So I agree that I think the strong point of this movie is the performances. I think Kimberly J. Brown is a star. Um, She, they, I remember reading about them casting this role and they had talked about that they were visualizing because they knew that they had Debbie Reynolds in it already. Um, And they were like, you know, we were kind of just picturing a different kind of looking actress for this role. And then Kimberly walked in and just was Marnie. And I really feel like she is. She gives me this like younger, like Jodie Benson vibe. I just feel like she's wonderful. And also the the actors playing Dylan and Sophie are just, they're fantastic. Such wonderful. I was going to say child actors, but they're just wonderful actors. The cast makes the movie for sure. Like Robin Thomas, who plays Calabar in the City Hall finale scene, my man blew out his voice for like an entire week because he was just give, trying to just like give a big old performance for the finale of the movie. And I, oh, I always, I always have to shout out those moments because when you're giving your all to a fantasy, I will always respect you. And he really was. For me as well, 
one of my markers of like some of my favorite Halloween movies are how quotable they are. And this one is definitely quotable. Like <laughs> Hocus Pocus is super quotable and Halloween Town is very quotable. Some of my favorites include um, nobody around here really appreciates my taste in weird stuff. And I haven't watched this movie in quite a bit. And <laughs> I forgot. I was like, wait, that was me when I was a kid. Like I was obsessed with mummies. And as we've discussed, like the hanging body in the haunted mansion. And I'm just like, oh, what a vibe. Yeah. Also, Connor has mentioned this quote to me in like a real life context. And then it came up in the movie and I was like, oh, magic is really very simple. All you've got to do is want something and then let yourself have it. Mm, Lots of yeah. other quotable moments. I love that moment. But that I think, I mean, also, like, thinking about Halloween, like, Rocky Horror, too. Like, I like to be able to quote my Halloween movies. And in terms of when you were talking about the production, like, I totally agree. I have so much respect for what they did on that budget. And I also think this really, in the same way, it reminded me when we were talking of when we were talking about the Haunted Mansion is this hit, I think, a really nice balance between goofy and scary. I mean, for me, you can always lean a little bit more on the scary, but it's a kid's movie. Um, but they, I, it really struck me when they're um, in Calabar's office and like the pincushion receptionist comes in. I mean, what a creative and wacky costume and idea for a character. Um, I'm that ready you to wouldn't push that bitch else. out a window. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Listen, like, but her outfit's fabulous. <laughs> I'm like, you are obnoxious. Also, that weird like bat creature thing. I'm like, what oh is gosh, going he's on scary. Here? Apparently, Kimberly J. Brown took that bat creature. Like that was one of the things she took from the set. Oh. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I would never did. want that in my home. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and I also love, and I will bring us up again more so with twitches. But um, this movie. 100% passes the Bechdel test. So claps for that. We love to see that. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what the Bechdel test is, the Bechdel test is attributed to Alison Bechdel, who is a graphic artist who who wrote Fun Home. And the, the rules of the Bechdel test is the movie, piece of art, whatever, has to have at least two women. Those two women have to talk to one another. And then the third step is that they have to talk about something other than a man. So mm -hmm. that's a fun thing to sort of like run through your favorites and you're like, mm -hmm. yeah. And I just think about certain things in the production too, like the movie, the way the movie theater looks, the way that that sweat box scene looks that are just imprinted in my mind from childhood. Like they're very iconic. The movie, unique. the movie theater scene, I think is like some of the best work that happens in that movie. It's, like it, it's very disturbing. It yeah. scared me as a and child. I, honestly, yeah. that's, I think what I wanted. I wanted more on that and I less agree. of the mm -hmm. like. Let's go into the the hairdresser where we have. Oh, the, I was gonna say that was my least favorite part. Where we have the, the werewolf oh. and the. It's uh, okay. We were making a choice there with that performance, though, and I will always respect a choice. I mean, another place that they made the choice, and this is something I have in the strength, but it's probably a weakness. But it's both. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but during my second rewatch this season of this movie. When Grandma Aggie comes to Marnie's house and brings them all the costumes, and Marnie's the 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 real Wiccan in that whatever costume that shit was, <laughs> and then Sophie's like, "I'm a ghost," and it's just a sheet, and then she gives that costume to Dylan. When they head into the kitchen, all of the kids go out, and Dylan is the last one to go, and he turns around. There is one hell of an ass on the costume that they gave him of that troll thing or whatever. Please, please go back. 
find that moment and just look at the ass on this costume. I wow. passed on when I fully appreciated this. Wow. I think it's a major okay, strength of this movie that they were like, fuck it. Let's put an ass on this child. <laughs> so now I'm going to move on to some of my weaknesses about Halloween Town. The score is so cringy. <laughs> it makes me want to die a little bit. Like it is oh, just wow. it is just okay. fully one dude like in his basement on a computer with like a MIDI board just like going to town. <laughs> and All right, it, fine. Oh, I, I mean, I just I'm such a big movie score person. Yeah. Like most of my iPod when people still used iPods mm, was soundtracks and scores. And there's so much potential with this movie. To have something truly epic. I, I will say the score is very memorable. I was going to say it's you can't argue with that. It's an earworm. But not one that I care to have stick around. Okay. And I think it could have been a little bit more epic. I think that's also my critique of the movie in general. Mm-hmm. Is that I think that Halloween Town could have afforded to take itself a little bit more seriously. It feels more often than not that... It's tongue in cheek, almost as if it's winking to the audience, but wanting to also be on the receiving end of that wink, Mm -hmm. where it's like it's tossing a joke out to the audience while also wanting to be next to the audience member, like nudging them about the joke and laughing with them. Mm -hmm. At one point, the finale of the movie, when Marnie has to, you know, bring the talisman somewhere to release Calabar's hold on Halloween Town. Um, she, at one point, the story was that she had to return the talisman to the middle of the woods. And as she was walking through the woods, she would start aging and getting older and older. Um, and they had already, like, taken a mold of Kimberly Brown's face to do that effect. And then they changed their mind. I'm not entirely sure why. So then the finale changed to her having to return the talisman to the pumpkin. And now the pumpkin is great. It's iconic. I like the pumpkin, but it's that part struck me as being a little bit thrown together as the way to save the town. And when it's what you're talking about, I want a little bit more of an epic feel. So if Marnie yeah. has to get through an aging forest, that's just way more epic to me. And the end of the film felt very rushed. The The end of the film is mostly dedicated to the kids finding the potion ingredients, which to me feels more of like a, a middle movie quest like before the big final quest. And so it kind of took some of the air out of it for me because the job was just to like go to the hair cutter and cut the werewolf's hair when I wanted things to just be, like you said, a little bit more epic than they were. Yeah, I think that also sort of comes down to at that moment when Grandma Aggie and Gwen become incapacitated by the mysterious Mm -hmm. creature that is in the movie theater, we lose that grounding that the story so desperately needs and instead mm-hmm. of letting the letting the kids embrace some of that, which I do think that they would be capable actors enough to handle some of that, they mm-hmm. just sort of lean into the silliness of the town in order to mm-hmm. move us to yeah. the next thing. Where I yeah. think what actually the movie could really benefit from is really letting Marnie sort of like come into her own to take things a little bit more seriously to sort of understand the gravity of some of of actions and consequences and things that are said 
in order to round out her character in a really nice way. Mm -hmm. So that when she has that moment of realization with Gwen at the end of the movie where she's like, I'm sorry, there were things about Halloween Town that I didn't fully understand, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. That that could have a little bit more oomph to it. Oh my God, I'm going to say this. I think that Marnie is a brat. No, stop. I think she's a, I think she's a little bit bratty in the way that she is portrayed. And I... You think she, she's a brat, but you don't think Merida is a brat? This is too much for me. Shut up. <laughs> I think she's a little bit bratty. She's not good at magic at all. Like, she... It, it feels like this movie sort of just happens to her. And that she seldom takes charge of anything until that very end moment. And this kind of goes back to what we were saying. It's that that ending moment would be a really great moment for her to be like, I have to make this happen. I have to be the adult. I have to look out for my siblings and I have to save the day as opposed to being Mm -hmm. like, well, we're going to go out and we're going to find these ingredients and that sort of thing. And then we're going to get to the thing. I don't even remember what the spell is. I'm going to look to my little sister who, thank God, she's got some sort of photographic yeah, memory shit. And she saves the day. If it wasn't for Sophie, that talisman would be like fully off right now. Oh, yeah. No argument that Sophie has saved the day. Yeah. But she does say to Sophie, she's like, I'm your big sister. Like, I'm going to make sure it's okay. She says it. She says it. She says it. But I want to see her do it. Like, that's that's the thing. It's like, I want to see her... I want to see her in a little bit more peril than... That's why the forest would have been such a good idea. It, it oh, would, it they would dropped have been. the ball on that. It oh. would have been. I think Kimberly J. Brown is fine. I just think Marnie is the least I love her. witchy witch. And but that's what I like. And she's it was not for a very all of us growing up who were like, I'm an average girl, and but I want to feel like special. So we all vibed with her. Because but she we wasn't. Like, yeah. She like ultimately like wasn't all that special. Well, Sophie that's was reality. Sophie was the special one. <laughs> and then I also oh, think man. that Dylan can be pretty heavy handed. Like well, I actually enjoyed Dylan, but my problem was is I didn't need him to have powers at the end. I it kind of bothered me that to finally actually defeat Calabar, they needed a boy. Didn't enjoy that for me. I needed that to be all the women up there and that be enough and he can be a human and he can be him and he can have things to contribute as an intelligent person, but he doesn't need to be magical and we don't need him to save the day. That really bothered me. Um, So I kind of want to move to the the production design of things and this also goes back to my like, I w- wish that they would take things a little bit more seriously. I think in terms mm-hmm. of like the creature design, we're not actually embracing the worlds of these monsters. I, I wish it was again, more, more grounded in something. And that's not like, look at this silly werewolf with an accent. Who's a seventies hairdresser. Mm-hmm. The, like it, they could take the monsters a little bit more seriously. The designs of the monsters themselves seem pretty juvenile. And then there, it makes parts of the movie feel cheap and kitschy. Like you have moments where a monster has a elaborate monster face, but then just straight up human arms and hands. Like when they're in the gym <laughs> sequence, there's like this full on like ogre yeah. with this crazy face and a tank the top. Pumpkin people but with then the arms. his arms are just like very yeah. obviously and fully human arms and yeah. hands. I'm, another sort of thing that makes it feel like kitschy is oh my God, when they go to the broom store <laughs> and he pulls out those brooms that are literally straight up from the Dollar Tree spray painted. 
I was like, come on. But they only had four million. (laughs) But come on. I would rather them like go out into the woods and grab like a really big log and tie a bunch of like little twigs to it. I'm like that. No, I do agree. That feels more fun than like this is a neon pink broom that I got from Dollar Tree in a (laughs) bundle of two. No, thank you. Oh, man. And then the props. Oh, my God. Some of the props are really, really great. Like, I think the talisman is really cool. The sort of, like, weird baby rattle thing that, like, Aggie whips mm, yeah, out at the whips last out. moment. I'm <laughs> like, like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know what that is, but sure, I'm game for it. Also, the bubble, bubble, toil and trouble um, microwave is cute as well. That's, Very clever. That's fine. But listen, I will never, ever, ever forgive this movie for Grandma Aggie pulling out a straight up picture book, like a child's picture book of Halloween Town as the bedtime story and like her reason for this town being proof of like being real. And then they're going through this book and Marnie, a 13 year old, is like, this is the coolest book I've ever seen. I looked carefully In the pages of the book that we do see, there is only one sentence that is written. (laughs) And this is what that sentence says. Quote, Halloween Town is a special place. Unquote. (laughs) I'm like, I will... I will never forgive Listen, them. Listen, she has well, been sheltered from the world. It doesn't take much to impress her. Let's, let's let the book have a little bit more meat. Like, let it be a collection of short stories. I don't know. Something. But I'm like, we opted with the picture book route. <laughs> and then with the script, there are just some really odd lines that happen. In here. Like, some things that just, like, didn't work. For example... When they're in Grandma Aggie's house and Sophie is there and she's cooking the witch's brew, she goes, are you cooking chowder, Grandma? I like chowder. I thought that was so funny. And I'm like, (laughs) I I, I like, I, I look around. Granted, I'm watching this movie alone. I'm like looking around. I'm like, is anyone here seeing this? Like. But you know what just happened? I I definitely thought it was strange, but at the same time, I like you know I'm a babysitter. I'm around kids all the time. Kids do say weird things like that. They sure do. I feel like this is something that like happened in like a script meeting where they're like, "Are you cooking chowder, Grandma? I like chowder." And they're like, "That's a keeper." That's and someone else was probably like, "I don't know if this is really working," but they just sort of like wrote it and they're like, "No, once we wrote it, like it has to stay." Like someone probably fought chowder. Hey. Someone they probably were on fought a to time, keep that a time line. crunch. <laughs> or either that or like they they were like, we need a line. And they're like, just say like, are you cooking chowder, grandma? I like chowder. Like, I, I, I don't know. But whatever it was, I, but it was honestly, fully though, the wrong I choice. I would have traded it for the world. I would have traded it for the world. Oh my I God. love it. It's so bad. But there's other lines with that too of like Dylan, who's mm. the brainiac at the end, who's like, Maybe it was that Aurora Borealis thing that I'd been reading about. Like, I'm like, no, he's a smart kid. He would know what the Aurora Borealis is. Like, come on. Like, there's just all these sort of, like, inconsistencies in the lines. For as solid as this story could be, like, with the potential of this plot, I I think in the actual execution of the script, while for the most part it's good, there are just, like, too many moments where I'm like, we could have used another draft. Like, 
I know. We and like, I, one I, more. I know this doesn't as much have to do with budget, but budget does affect everything. Sure. Uh, once I found out how little this movie was made for, I saw it in a new light. I, I did. Was like, t- I mean, you know what? <laughs> I fully did Bad. too. I fully did too. I was like, yeah, that's, they, that's impressive. Uh, yeah. So that's where, that's where a lot of my respect comes from. It doesn't excuse yeah. any of the weaknesses that no, I no, still see no. in it, but <laughs> I will give them respect. So, that's pretty much everything that I have on Halloween Town in terms of my strengths and weaknesses. There's one more that I will add. It is so white. I know. I have it written down, too. It's a damn... And, and it's a, the same problem we always have where we're like, excuse me, this is a made-up world. Yeah. You could have done anything. Yeah. There is no excuse. Yeah. Ugh. There's not a single person of color in any sort of substantial role mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. This is after Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, Wonderful World of Disney. Oh, I we have, have a, a note on that. Actually, you know what? I think that's the perfect segue if you are ready. I'm ready. The, I feel like the linchpin of this podcast is becoming Rogers and Hammerstein, Brandy, Cinderella, and I'm fine with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is the cornerstone of this podcast. Yeah, it really is. Um, and so this is what I was thinking. <laughs> So Brandy Cinderella came out a year before Halloween Town did. Um, so granted, Twitches came a bit later when then we were by 2005. But so as we have said, Halloween Town is a $4 million budget, which is impressive. Then we have Brandy Cinderella, which was made a year earlier on a $12 million budget, which that now that I have something to compare it to, that's really impressive. Like that what they did on $12 million. So we have the bar there, as we've talked about before, in terms of diversity, in terms of budget, in terms of quality. So then we go to Twitches, which had a $20 million budget. And I am a little confused about that. Um, That was really shocking to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So Twitches. (laughs) I'll start with the things that I think were going right. I think... From what I've learned about the book series, I think it was a good call to make that book series into a Disney Channel movie. It was calling for it. And I really love that on the cover of these books, we've got two white girls and they were like, no, T and Tamara are going to play them. I fully agree. Like they, when they acquired the rights for the book series, like they wanted Tia and Tamara. They wanted Mm -hmm. them to do it. And I loved that Cameron is adopted as well, of course, because they've been separated from their real parents. I was adopted by a black family. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be the black girl adopted by a white family. Yep. And, and she they're was, rich. They're a wealthy black family. I'm <laughs> yep. like, this yes. is important. We see blackness so much in this in this mm-hmm. movie. And we see it in so many different ways that mm-hmm. it's really, I think that's it's doing something really, really great that I honestly don't feel like a lot of other Disney Channel original movies were doing or or even still do. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. One of the writers, Dan Berenson, um, he has also written for Sabrina the Teenage Witch, mm-hmm. Wizards of Waverly Place, Halloween Town High. So we're like, okay, like we're, we're already in that world. And I enjoy, and this is, a, of course, partially due to the book that it's based on, but I enjoy that we've taken some solid stabs, at least, at more of a deep dramatic storyline. There's a lot of Hamlet stuff going on in here. Santos is, of course, just a lot like Claudius. I like that we're just going with some more adult themes of like he's kind of he's their father's brother, but he's kind of got a weird thing going like a weird vibe going on with their mom. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Carson and Ileana, who are very much um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. 
So I like it. And, and we're, we're going with some more dramatic themes here of people having the sight and them knowing about their past coming through it, through their art. I like that. I enjoy that. I also, for me, um, it, this is a little bit different for me because I watched Halloween Town a ton as a kid. This, I don't think, I don't really think I watched Twitches anytime around when it came out. Oh, um, I watched it like when it premiered. I was thoroughly excited for this movie. I might have. I'm not. I. But then when the movie started, there were other parts of it that I was like, I, I remember this. But when the movie started, I was like, huh, I don't have any connection to this. So again, I think that'll, that the influence is a little bit. Um, I also enjoy, and so this will end up being, in a way, a downside for me in the way that we're looking at these films. It's fun for me just because there are so many classic just Disney Channel original movie moments where you have to have a mall scene. Yep. You have to have, like, a diner, like, burger burger scene. Yep. And you have to have a party scene. Yep. And we had all of those. We had all <laughs> And so of them. it was like, yeah, if you want pure early 2000s feels from the clothing to like the setting you'll get it in this for sure (laughs) it's a classic disney channel original movie and you you know what if that's what you're here for i respect it i love t and tamara for i forgot how i didn't realize how old they were when they were filming this so they were 27 so they're our age now they're our Um, age yeah so for a minute what the hell are we doing i know i was like oh no wow um (laughs) But for a minute, I, I thought they were younger. I don't know why I didn't do the math with the years. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, give me acting. They they produced tears several times in the movie. But then I'm like, oh, they're 27. And I think my my favorite part of the movie. Um, oh, number one, another thing I would like to say in terms of the great things that were happening with diversity. We already talked about the, it passes the Bechdel test. Great diversity and seeing blackness in, in many different parts of society. Um, with we also see real female bodies in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the women just looked like real people that I know. And I've seen that unfortunately change in Disney Channel over time. And it and it was this movie was very real and it just it meant a lot to me to see that. The high point of the movie for me is towards the finale when um Cameron and Alex have to defeat Santos once and for all and by doing that they have to grab hands and they realize that the opposite of the darkness that they're trying to fight isn't light it is love Mm -hmm. that's an amazing lesson and honestly when they were holding hands and calling out the names of people that they love I got choked up yeah it was well acted it's a great theme it was well scripted and they were you could tell that they were getting emotional um, and the the line that they that that's in the movie, love is infinite. You can always make more when you need it. I think this movie the, the movie has a great lesson, and I think it comes to a pretty great conclusion. I feel like the last like three minutes of the movie fall off. Quite they're a lot. they're a complete throwaway. <laughs> but no, I, I um, think the, the climax of the movie. The climax. I have is that written great. down in my notes. That is the strongest point of this whole movie. The mm-hmm. Tia and Tamara. I, I love them as actors in this movie, even mm-hmm. in the moments where they're just doing the pure comedy, yeah. the teen movie stuff. They're still mm-hmm. doing such great work. Mm-hmm. And there are moments where they allow that teen comedy to sort of just sit in a little bit of a deeper place. Yeah. That, like, yeah, take a very surfacey script and mm-hmm. bring it a little bit closer to the heart. I think actually a lot of the actors do that in this movie where they really kind of take the script off of the page. Oh, okay. Oh, I think Cameron's mom 
does a very good job at that. Oh, okay. Do you disagree? <laughs> you dis- you fully disagree. I <laughs> Um, okay. Let me let me explain. <laughs> um th- this ties into the fact of what I said before in that I don't have a lot of memory of this. So the first few minutes of the movie put me off a lot. Um I was like this is a cheese fest. I it told everybody warmed up. I, I warmed up to it. It, it, it. I ended up liking it way more than I did at the beginning. But I felt like a lot of the other acting outside of Tia and Tamara was uh and again, like I I know it's it's with zero judgment at all. It's a Disney Channel original movie. You know that the audience is youth-based. Um, but it felt a lot of it felt super unrealistic to me. I think Lucinda's a good one though. Lucinda's great, very grounded. Um, but my problem is that the acting for me got to the point where it felt a little bit off the rails, especially with Karsh and Ileana. Oh, Karsh and Ileana. Where it was dragging I, the movie I down. Them. Also, I understand. You've got two talented actors and you're like, you guys, at the end of the scene, go for it and we'll see what funny bits you can come up with. Um, That works with maybe like longer movies where maybe you can have more adult humor. But those moments where you leave with Karsh and Ileana to say something funny dragged the movie down over and over again. Yeah. And I don't know who let those takes stay in because it puts the actors in a bad light that they don't deserve. That's yeah. an editing problem. And I think it also comes from, I don't think that they knew how to write Karsh and Ileana in this story based off of where they were in the books. Mm-hmm. From what I gather about the books, I haven't read them, but it seems that they're much more hands-on caregivers mm-hmm. rather than the adoptive families. I could be completely wrong, Mm -hmm. but in the way that I'm understanding it from the synopses that I've read of the books, that they aren't the sort of like goofy characters that we get. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with for a 90 minute movie doing that, but they needed to put more effort into the writing and just like not leave it completely up to the actors to put all of the humor in if you want them to be funny. Yeah, I think that's my biggest I think that's pace. my biggest complaint about this movie is like mm-hmm. I I actually do come from a place where I have a lot of affection for this movie. I remember when it came mm-hmm. out, I remember really really loving it. I loved watching Sister Sister with my two sisters when we would come mm-hmm. home from school and when they announced that Twitches was happening and it's about, you know, witches in the real world on Halloween, I was like, cool, this sounds like awesome. And I remember watching it and hoping when the Disney Channel original movie, like stuff was all happening, that the movie that would play afterwards would be Twitches. Mm-hmm. Rewatching it, my biggest disappointment is that script. The story deserves so much more. And I think that the places that it actually really succeeds are in the fantasy moments when they're in Coventry or when they're like advancing that that plot where I'm like, we needed to spend more time either in Coventry or discussing the matters of Coventry in the outside world. I felt like we got too bogged down in the sort of like twin bondingness of Tia and Tamara in the beginning of like discovering each other's and like figuring out their powers and doing the montage sort of things. Uh, I, w- I would have rather seen them grapple a little bit more with the themes of the darkness, because I think what ultimately comes out of it of like Cameron getting to the point where she's just like, absolutely not. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not going to risk what I have 
over over this. I think when we get mm-hmm. to that point, that's when the movie really starts to like pick up for me. And it feels like it sort mm-hmm. of like was at a halt until that moment. And then we're like, okay, now we're starting to hurdle towards an ending, towards that climax that's really good. But I I wish that some of the the moments that happens with the Cameron like I'm out moment, I wish the buildup happened earlier. I felt like we had to wait too long to get there. I think for me, that's why this, to me, doesn't necessarily feel like a Halloween movie. It feels like a Disney Channel original movie. And I'm I'm thinking, I'm like, I know that part of, because we said this about Halloween Town as well, I know part of it is just because we're older. And so we want more themes that rely more on heavy subject matter and magic. But I have that note as well. I said I would have leaned more into the world of Coventry rather than like the early 2000s mall vibe. Mm-hmm. But that's a Disney Channel original movie. And so I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly why I wasn't into this. I guess I missed, I don't know, I missed the boat on this one as a kid, which is strange because my number one favorite genre at that age was this kind of like someone discovering they're a secret princess. And like that's all I ever read. I don't know how you missed this. I know. And I was looking at um I was looking at like their necklaces and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I would have needed. Like, yeah. I was like, I would have needed those necklaces. I would have been totally into the like secret like sort of magical medieval world in her closet, like that would have been my jam. So I don't know why I missed it. And I'm wondering if in 2005, October 2005, we were in sixth grade, seventh Uh, grade, seventh grade, I think we were in seventh grade. And so I'm wondering if we had leaned a little bit less on Disney Channel movie mall vibes. Um, if I would have been able to latch on to it as someone who was about to be a teenager, um, I'm wondering if that would have made it a little bit more like we were talking about before, a little bit more timeless. Yeah. And something that you can get into year in and year out and come back to at Halloween. Well, see, I think this is one of those ones that sort of falls in in the category of Halloween as the backdrop for the movie, but not what is mm-hmm. overtly happening. Um, right. Which I think I think that those movies are really valid it does sort of complicate things in terms of like is this a halloween movie or is it not Mm -hmm. i would peg it as a halloween movie because i do think that there are enough halloween moments to it Mm -hmm. but i definitely think and i actually had this as one of my sort of strengths of the movie is the fact that it's not overtly halloween in the way that there are like monsters and goblins it seems like halloween and it's tied to that is a little bit more subtle and complicated. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a fantasy with Halloween as a part of it. Yeah. I do think that the fantasy aspect of it, again, the part that we really respond to, they need to follow that a little bit more than mm-hmm. the typical, you know, preteen movie. I, w- I think I would enjoy a remake of this movie because we could take that chance and go a little bit more into the deeper fantasy themes. And Tamara was doing a an, an interview where she said a fan had messaged her once and was like, you guys need to make Twitches 3. Chloe and Hallie need to be like your daughters. And that is the thought that had crossed my mind when I was watching this. I was like, let's remake this with Chloe and Hallie. Yeah. I'm ready for it. And I think it would be really great and a little bit more sophisticated. And we can actually rely less on CGI. I think that's that's one of my Oof. biggest things is I feel like they blew their yeah. entire budget on really mediocre CGI that 
doesn't mm-hmm. hold up. And I think that's why there's more of that timeless feel with Halloween Town because like it just it feels more concrete. It feels it feels more real. Mm-hmm. I will say another one of my strengths for Twitches is the score. The score actually feels mm-hmm. like it's produced here. There are certainly moments. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like it's produced in any sort of like really, really meaningful way. I think the the music. Did I hear Hillary Duff also in one of the songs? No, you Was heard Allie and AJ singing Rush, which if nothing else. Oh, right. Allie and AJ. God, we got Rush by Allie <laughs> right. and AJ Allie out of this AJ. movie because that song is a bop. It is a full right. on Right, right, bop. right. It was Allie and AJ. <laughs> Yep. No, that is literally in my notes. I was like, the score is great. Also, Rush. (laughs) Rush. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... This weird thing happened to me, and I'm just going to come clean with all of you listeners. I was never a person who watched Halloween Town religiously as a child. I actually don't even think I really watched it as a child because my parents... I don't think particularly cared for it. We were a strictly mm. Hocus Pocus family. Oh, okay. That is the way that we did things. Like, it was Hocus Pocus or bust. Oh, I see. You know what? I guess I watched I watched this a lot because I wasn't allowed to watch Hocus Pocus. Oh. So this was my Halloween yeah. movie. Yeah, Halloween Town was not our Halloween uh, movie. I think the okay. first time I watched it was actually when I was, like, older. High school, even. Interesting. So yeah, okay. I don't have the sort of, like, childhood familial attachments to it i had more attachments to twitches and so when we were originally thinking about doing halloween town versus twitches my gut was like oh my god they're gonna make me say that i like twitches more than i like halloween town and i'm gonna get gunned down in front of my parents house by one of our listeners (laughs) and this was even after this season i had watched both halloween town and twitches i was still like yeah twitches it does it for me so much more than halloween town but watching Halloween Town and Twitches from this perspective of like what is working, what is not, factoring in some of the like context around these two movies, I have to say, I do think that I can declare at the end of the day that Halloween Town is a better Halloween movie. I would agree. I, I yeah. do think that it is actually the superior Disney Channel original movie in this case. As much as my gut was telling me, I was like, oh, Twitches. Oh, Twitches. I don't mm-hmm. think it, I don't think it is when I look at it this way. Yeah, I agree. That's what I put is that like for Halloween feels, Halloween Town wins for me. And in rewatching both, there are a solid, unfortunately, amount of cringe moments in both so of them. So many for me. cringe moments. But Halloween Town has a couple of fewer ones for me. So I mean, I like, feel like maybe one fewer cringe moment. Like, <laughs> probably, I mean, both have cringe moments. <laughs> the moment in Twitch is when they go, whatever loser to the bad guy with the hand no. signals. <laughs> no. Ooh. Lordy, 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 lordy. What I will give them both is I love that they're we're both that they're both focused on women finding their destiny as witches. Like, and I found things in both of them that I can still vibe with as an adult. Like, it wasn't I didn't suffer completely through either of them, and so I think they both deserve props for that. I think so too. I think that these two are also some of the better Disney Channel original movies that we have. I think that they Mm -hmm. they also like. They were doing something really special, really something offbeat in that they they weren't the typical Disney Channel original movie of like the preteens. And so, I mean, we do have that moment in Twitches with like the teens the at the mall moment. sort of stuff. But <laughs> but that that's combined with something else that there's something a little bit darker. There's something a little bit more. There's something more mm-hmm. that is happening in the story than than like, say, stuck in the suburbs or something like that. Mm hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I also looked up um, Suzy Q, which they always used to play on Disney Channel. And I think I found out that it's not 100% technically a Disney Channel original movie. But that's why I was obsessed with Suzy Q when they would play it on Disney Channel at Halloween. Because there was just something deeper going on. It was about a girl who passed away in a tragic accident and her ghost in the 50s and her ghost is hanging around in the present day. That's what really makes a Disney Channel movie stand apart when there's just that extra, you know, I mean... I know I like dark things. So yeah, an extra little layer of depth, let's just yeah, say. Yeah, I mean they yeah. and they and I think that they did this really well in some of those early Disney Channel original movies. I mean, Definitely. I remember Don't Look Under the Bed mm-hmm. terrified. Both yeah, I know a lot of things Aaron really scared me. me. Like it was yeah. really scary. I've only watched it one time. I think I can confidently say Disney Channel Harken back to some of those first Disney Channel original movies that we had because the gold lives there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This one, this this showdown was, I feel like our other showdowns have been a bit more of like a landslide win. Yeah. And this one is like a little bit less so. This one was interesting for me. I didn't feel comfortable calling this one until literally when I did. Yeah. No, I, I definitely am going into it. I, I had written in my notes. I'm like, Halloween Town wins overall. But, you know, then the more we've talked about Twitches just now, it really did drive home the things that I really enjoyed about it as well. Yeah. Um, I fully have more weaknesses for Halloween Town than I do Twitches. But yeah. here I am saying that yeah. I think Halloween Town yeah. is the superior Halloween. They I think decom. what it comes down to is yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is they serve different purposes in a way. Yeah. Where like we said, I think Twitches is more indicative of the Disney Channel original movie genre and then Halloween Town's more of just plain old, you know, Halloween drink some wine, watch, you know, an old <laughs> Halloween movie. Yeah. That's what you're going to put on. Drink some wine, grab some friends, laugh at those cringe-worthy moments. Yeah. Pause it when you get to Dylan's like huge ass in that costume that grandma aggie gives <laughs> and you're just like who is the costume designer who let this happen <laughs> or also like sh- oh, let's man. shake the hand of the costume designer who just like no pun intended trolled this kid <laughs> yes <know>. exactly <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. um all right yeah i feel i don't know i feel like that was a truly strange showdown for me like it was very yeah it wasn't yeah usually it's like a it's like a smackdown fight um, i know and this one just wasn't i mean I'm if, okay with if that people have voted on halloween town high versus return to halloween town i was <laughs> fully ready to just trash return to halloween yeah. town i mean yeah, yeah we yeah. replaced kimberly j brown as marnie and just like acted like nothing happened like no oh yeah no, and no. disney tried to say that she would like had a scheduling conflict and she has come out and been like no i was available <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also, I mean, Kimberly J. Brown, like just for a moment, let's talk about Kimberly J. Brown. I like, love how much she loves Halloween Town. She I loves just it. Love she it. has her own Etsy shop where she like makes <laughs> Halloween Town stuff. Like, good for her. There's something very Judy Garlandy about her, too, in that movie. I like, agree. I think that's why I liked her like as that. a kid and why I like her now. Yeah, there's something Judy Garland why. about her, but I just feel like she deserved a little bit better of a character. Okay. All right, so that's our showdown for you. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think about Halloween Town versus Twitches. And yes. we really invite you to join the Poor Unfortunate Fam on Facebook where we keep this discussion going and where you can meet other listeners and 
talk through some of your thoughts and share them with other people. Mm -hmm. And then on social media, number one, I would like to wish everybody a happy Halloween because um, this is getting very close to Halloween when you're listening to this. Um, We talked a little bit in our Disney Bounty episode, we talked a little bit about Disney Halloween costumes. So I would love to encourage you to on social media, preferably on Instagram, we are at Poor Unfortunate Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Unfortunate Pod. Um, I would encourage you, if you would like, to either put in your story and tag us or DM us a picture of you in any of your Disney Halloween costumes. We love 90s, early 2000s throwbacks. So if you have any of those, please send those. Absolutely. But also, if you were a Disney character recently, we would love to see it and we will feature it on the page. Uh, and then if you have any questions, you can surely email us. We are poorunfortunatepodcasts at gmail.com. And as you probably know from listening to the podcast, it does take a little bit of money for us to keep this podcast up and running and coming to you. We have a PayPal. You can find the link in the episode description or in any of our bios on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Truly, any little bit that you might be able to spare goes a really long way for us, and we would really appreciate it. Also, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, it helps us reach new listeners, which is awesome and our way of spreading Disney joy to all of the people who need it right now. So, yeah, those are, that's, my, that's my little favor that I'm going to ask you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the last thing I'll leave you all with is that the next time you'll get an episode from us, the election will be over. So please remember to vote, vote, vote. Vote early if you can. Vote in person. Vote by mail. Whatever you do, please vote. Make sure that you have a voting plan. Bring some friends. Bring your family. Follow social distancing and mask guidelines. All of that good stuff. But honestly, this election is so fucking important. So please, please, please vote. Mm -hmm. I know that you're getting bombarded on social media and from every celebrity. And here's me and Caroline just... Adding our little two cents. We'll and just saying, join the cacophony. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. That's it. Keep smiling. Put your Keep mask shining. on. No, you can always count on me. Stay safe and have a happy Halloween. Have a happy freaking Halloween. Don't let COVID-19 steal your joy. Yeah, nothing can take that. Nothing can take that from us. Just remember that. It is Halloween. And you can dress up and stand in your kitchen all day, and it's still Halloween. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right. So until next time, Beluga Beluga Savruga, bitches. Bitches. (laughs) Bitches.